I'm Sam Manoi, current WWE, WWF legend, and former WWF tag team champion. This is my story, the ups and downs of trials and tribulations, the behind the scenes of my time in pro wrestling. This is Head Shrinker Sam Manoi. Samoan SWAT Team Talks. Welcome back. Episode 2. SST. We made, we made the first one. SST Talk for the first time since podcasts have been around. You have your own show. How do you feel about that? Uh, you know me. <laughs> you don't give a shit, do you? <laughs> Well, let's get right into it because, uh, again, we've had a lot of uh, fans enjoy listening to you. Listen, I'm just as shocked, but they do enjoy listening to you. So we're, <laughs> so we're going to get into it and say, do you listen to podcasts? I mean, do you listen to anybody? Uh, once in a while. You know, once in a while in passing. You know, I catch Cornette every now and then. He's always on a roll. Yeah, you, you have ADD and you can't sit still. And if you do, you're certainly not listening to podcasts. So that's why I'm uh, kind of interested to see what, because uh, I've sent you links to a bunch of different ones so far. And what did you think of the click this? What did you think of Nash's? Nash's was interesting. You know, they got, he got some good topics going. Um, I, I, I watched his a couple of times. But, um, yeah, the reason that we wanted to do it, I mean, because, you know, this morning, everybody's always asking me, can you do one of these? Can you do one of these? And I'm like, ah, nah, you know, I, I've tried to get around to it. But, you know, the fact is, I just don't really uh, come on the air too much. And But, but people are always asking. So, hey, we might as well give the fans, keep them in a note. Yeah, I, which leads me to believe that before podcast, we talked a little bit last week, is there have been nothing but... Uh, shoot interviews out there and for those of you that don't know that's you know when one of the boys gets down and they start telling tales whether they're true false or indifferent they do start <laughs> telling the tales but you never really did any of those either and why is that why didn't you never want to I, I think i think basically from my time with you anyways you were more you know kayfabe everything and you never really broke down the business or talked about it you stayed in you know in gimmicks so is, why did you never want to do any you got to realize too. I was, you know, raised up on the road, you know, so since the seventies, and, and back then it was always protect the business, protect the business, no matter what you do. So, yeah, um, it's just a different way. It's a different way that it's not around anymore. People, you see how much wrestling has changed and stuff like that. But and with that, with those shoot interviews, you ever watch any of them and piss you off and be like, "Motherfucker, <laughs> that ain't that ain't oh, true." <laughs> oh no. Not really. I haven't really listened to enough of them to find you know to hear anything that's bullshit. Right? But um, you never heard any about yourself. <laughs> oh, have you? <laughs> yeah, 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 I have, and we'll get into those along the way, going down the road. Believe <laughs> it. Uh, when you first started, the last thing you thought would happen would you be on a mic because. You guys never came. I always had a manager, whether that be right. Captain Lou Albano, whether that be Pops Afa, whether that be uh, actually 
Paul Heyman. So with, with that, you always had a manager. So did you ever see yourself actually, you know, getting in there and cutting promos and, and let's talk, even when you had your school, uh, even with the wild smoking training center, or not many will remember, but I do, uh, Samu's jungle gym. So when you had these things going on, did you ever think about, uh, being on this and cutting interviews? No, 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 I never really wanted to. I tried, uh, not really tried, but when I was in Montreal, you know, about, what is that? Mid, uh, mid eighties, late eighties. And, uh, I was single competition up there and, uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. And it was a time that I could have spoke, but again, I had a manager because it was, uh, in Quebec, which is French Canadian. So they stepped with Floyd Creechman, which turned out to be one of my good friends and uh, rest his soul. Uh, and his father, of course, uh, managed me too. And, uh, they spoke good French, whatever the hell they were saying. And they were probably, <laughs> it's probably a big rip. Yeah. When, well, we used to, I used to always rip my manager. So, you know. yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I know all about it, but <laughs> uh, which we'll get into that too. But when you were in Canada, did you ever go into the, the, the dungeon? As they say, have you ever been there? You ever visit the heart dungeon? Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, I mean, nothing wrestling wise. And my dad was there. Seeing students, seeing the dungeon, and uh, I was just running around, playing around <clears throat> in the background. But yeah, it was an awesome place. The place was historical. And did you get to like wrestle Bret Hart in there, or what did you do? I mean, I think that's what people want to know: is did you actually do it in there? No, not me. No, I was watching my father, like I said, you know, going in there. Student trying to. <laughs> but you never actually got to get in the ring and actually like sit and and uh and take bumps in there no was a kid elementary school early 70s you know, did you know at that point though you wanted to wrestle no just want to be a fireman at that time where were you living up in canada you were living there in canada at the time yeah Oh, and you wanted to be yeah, a firefighter? Yeah, you wanted to be a Canadian no, I mean, firefighter? Yeah, no, as a kid growing up, what you want to be when you grow up, I wanted to be a fucking fireman. <laughs> With a lava lava running around saving the world, climbing ladders. When did no. you, de- when did, I think the people want to know, when did you decide you were not going to be a fireman? When you, when you ended up being six foot five and 300 pounds okay. of, <laughs> of oh, a machine. No. I had one to visit my dad in the, uh, in uh, New York, WWE or WWF at the time. And uh, I was visiting him for the summer. He had just moved into an apartment up in Connecticut. And uh, I, he had wrestled Bob back in a single match in Madison Square Garden. And I had seen his number, you know, I'd seen, seen his check. You know, it was like six figures. And at the time, I was busting ass, uh, you know, trying to learn how to do construction and stuff out on Alcatraz. So <laughs> So anyway, I see to make a long story short, I know I'm putting 40 hours in a week, hard work. And then I see him wrestle Bob Backer for like 10 minutes, I made six figures. And I'm like, oh shit, I think I can do this. And I think I want to do this instead of, uh, you know, hitting my thumb with hammers and shit. So uh, pretty much that's when I decided I didn't want to be a fireman anymore. And when you, t- when you took the first couple bumps, did you say I'd rather be a fireman? 
<laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, I didn't look back. I, I, I ended no, up. Certainly, didn't. I never got involved in middle school, so it was it was perfect for me. It, it kind of kept me off of the streets and gave me something to do, something to hone in my energy. Which also leads us into the ups and downs of of wrestling, especially your career. How about like, you know, let's not say early on, because early on, you know, fans were wrestling just started to continuously grow through the 70s, 80s, 90s, and especially in the 90s in, in your time in WWF is when it was just, I mean, you're going out in WrestleManias at, you know, Caesar's Palace and places like that. So so you're getting these checks and it's, and it's, and it's a lot of money. Do what, what, tell me about that. Tell me about the ups and then realizing some days there's no checks and tell us about that. I mean, what do you mean before WWF? Well, no, when you were with WWF and you were getting the living, I mean, well, I, contract. Got, like I said, everybody busts his ass to get there. You know, that's the top place you want to be because you know, that's where you're going to get your biggest check. Whether uh, back then it was good money for back then, you know, it's nothing compared to what they make now. Uh, we had a lot of hard roads. And I think we were driving 250 miles. We wouldn't find anything shorter than that with much. But on 17 days on, three days off, you know, it was it was, it was rough, especially on your family. You know, trying to, you and know. you were living in Pensacola, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so you're living in Pensacola. Uh, you're making tons of money at this point. But I heard somewhere along the way that, and it may even been from you, but tv at the time they used to get what 75 bucks or 100 bucks or something it was like no money whatsoever for your tv oh, no, no. the talent enhancement they got paid good they got a couple hundred bucks but we could still get an advance we could drop of our our money that we were making or off our check but yeah that's it 50 bucks that's his money shit he didn't want to give it to you did i give it to you already <laughs> did you know, did you draw too much weeks <laughs> Oh yeah, many times. Because <laughs> I guess at that point you never think it's going to run out, right? Everybody thinks that that's going to be there forever, and of course, yeah, I've mentioned that many times. Yeah, when you know, I'll start saving again next year. You know, I'm going to splurge, limousine here, limousine, pick up my kids here, pick up my wife. You know, uh, first class everything, which is you know, which I think everybody does that, but limitation and. Uh, you know, got a little, no limitation, and uh, it's not what you make; it's what you say. Do you wish you would have did different? Uh, do it again, sure. I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure many people out there wish they had to, a second chance. To do yeah, something. I mean, because you run into you run into a lot of the I want to say old timers, but you run into them the Virgils, the Tito Santanas, guys like that. So, I mean, I'm sure you get to get together and and you know tell the war stories about everything, but. I see a lot of them that still hit the independent circuit because they have to, you know, and especially uh, guys like Jimmy Snuka at the time, you know, God rest his soul and guys like that. They were, they were, you know, wrestling into their seventies. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's what you do. I mean, if you've seen like, that's what made that movie, the wrestler so much good. It kind of told the story uh, of what could happen, what happens to us. Uh, we have no medical plans and we have no, Things like that to look out for us or for our future, and uh, pretty much, you know, it's all back to the family to take care of each other. You know, kids, and wife, and, you know, to have a good support system within your family. And, you know, it's, that's all that's important. 
How about as far as like the fame part of it? Like as far as was it something weird to you? Like when you come out, walk out of arena and you're signing autographs or people are coming up to you. And again, goes back to the beginning of this of this podcast is you saying, you know, you lived yeah. a, you lived a life of cave fame. So when you're when you're walking out and kids are walking up to you, did you ever feel horrible that you couldn't sign an autograph? And other territories, funnily. And uh, when I came to WWF, it was it was a different story. It was like everybody was doing it, so I just was following suit, and I was just happy to be there. Man, I was what, eighteen years old, working dusty in Madison Square Garden. Shit, I was, I was happy. Yeah, and now there's kids are wrestling all over the place, which brings me into uh-huh. at the time you're you know WCW WWF battling back and forth. Now yeah. you got now you got like. AEW, biggest thing coming up. You got guys like CM Punk out there, Moxley, Jericho, which yeah, you know, I know you know. And what what do you think of that? What do you think of that whole federation going on right now? I like it. I mean, any th- time there's competition, it's good for the boys. There's so many of the wrestlers, you know, boys out there wanting to make a living doing this. And there's like one there was one place that you can go. Like I said before, everybody wanted to go to New York. Everybody wanted to go to WWF. And you know, now that there's AEW, a- and then, you know, that's great. That's great. It gives the guys more opportunity. Some of the, uh, I don't know, I'm not used to seeing so many small, smaller wrestlers. Um, at the time that I was growing up, you know, New York, WWE was uh, like a big man's place. You know, everybody was just huge. You know, I was like little at six, <laughs> six one, you know, 300 pounds. And uh, small you know specific uh, yeah it's just different you know, yeah it's a different era now but, uh, i don't know talent. there's a, a talent. yeah there's a ton of talent i don't watch as much as i should but but i, I know the the samoan dynasty dominates wwe and there's nothing really in aew that compares to that and right now again we talked about you turn on wwe and and it's all your nephews are, are leading the way there. I mean, they're, they're running the show and then you have, you have a new, you have another one up and coming uh, terrific. Uh, he, he should be on TV any day now going through and, and it's for you to look back and see, especially for you and junior to look back and see you started with Paul E as a manager. And now you see him on there managing the younger generation what are your i mean and, and obviously you guys are still very close yeah oh i love it i mean i love our, me and Polly. we have a very close relationship i'm i'm glad you know all the shit i put him through when we're in who you see that that's a, a whole podcast by itself <laughs> and we're going to talk about that <laughs> but um yeah you, you know. get to see him with with your nephews and and then it, i'm sure it brings back memories of everything you guys did and especially when he's yeah, started- not only that you know, being proud, you know, proud of the situation, proud of what they're doing, proud of how they're carrying the load. And, and uh, you know, when they give you the ball, it's either you run with it or you don't. And uh, the rest speaks for itself. These kids are busting their ass, and, and we're very proud of them uh, as uncles and watching them grow. When he started ECW and you saw that coming up, did you, uh, and especially because a lot of the early tapings were in Allentown, which was moments from your house. So, I mean, you were right there. Were you, and I know you guys went in there, uh, Samoan gangster party for a while. Were you, were you happy to be in ECW at the time? Or was that like another segue to get back to WWE? 
No, not to get back because at that time it was the furthest thing you could do. It was, it was like going to WCW or something. It was, you know, it was like frowned upon. But at the same time, we had just wrapped up our little segments there with WWF. And, you know, it was time to move on. And, and at the time, well, we kind of just wanted ECW. We wanted to give ourselves to them to try to help build what, whatever it was that was going to help take over or be the next big thing out there. And all the guys had that in common. Everybody just wanted it to succeed and go out there and bust ass. It was a good time. Did you like ECW? I mean, was that one of your best times working? Yeah, it was all right. You know, yeah, I liked it a lot. I wasn't there very much. But when the time that I was there, you know, the atmosphere is wild. The fans, it was something off this hook. I mean, because it was like New York fans, Philadelphia. People got to understand, like, the, the fans and those kind of places like Boston, Pittsburgh, Philly, New York, all those fans are like rowdy. They pretty much like the bad guys instead of the good guys. You know? so it's just kind of different. And then you go to Milwaukee, and everybody likes John Cena. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of different. It's fun. Uh, but those people are wild. You know, those people are wild. And when you, especially with though, especially then, because at that time, uh, your your dad still had WXW uh, World Extreme Wrestling running, so you were helping out there, and you were getting more and more involved in that and doing your own thing. So, which is a whole nother again, a whole nother. I mean, you got so much over the course of forty years in wrestling. You can tell tales from you know forever and a day, but you were never the guy to 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 hotshot shows when you were running wrestling. So with the connections you had in ECW, with the connections you had in WWE or WCW, you kind of always focused on building the younger talent that was coming through the school. And that was evident very much so when you were uh, still with WWF at the time, when the head shrinkers would have matches with some of your students and they would be just pure squashes. I mean, they would Mm -hmm. be just, right now there'd be like the old time with the big X on the screen. I remember being I remember being a a young kid and watching you guys come out in a town called Carbondale, Pennsylvania. So I get up to, I, was, I I bought ringside seats and I'm sitting ringside and I'm 19 years old and I'm watching and I see you guys come out and then two students come out and and you took an entire pineapple and just wailed this dude over the face and it exploded like a bomb. Uh-huh. And what the people, well, they went crazy, including me, including me. And years later, I come to find out that two of those were students of yours at the time. So, I mean, well, they, that... just got, they got like, they believed me. They enjoyed it so because of everybody, everybody, if you're wrestling, that's where you want to go. And no matter how you got to get there, what you got to do when you get there is get your foot in the door. Everybody knows. So, you know, to them, it's this is getting their foot in the door. You remember that incident? Yeah. Well, not in particular. I mean, I, I busted many people over the head with pineapple. We, <laughs> a lot of, we should have had stock in the door. Because you guys originally came in as heels. You were heels mm-hmm. all the way. And then turned okay. into, and then, and then. Before you know it, you're baby faces. I don't know where you become baby faces the night you win the title, which we're going to show clips. Yeah. Of that. We're going to get into all of that. But that was the swerve. <laughs> that was the swerve. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I think, I think for the fans, 
they wanted to hear you talk. And I remember like the old Survivor Series when they were on Thanksgiving Eve and 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 stuff like that. And you guys would come out with with turkeys and fish and biting live heads. I mean, hell, I sat with you in a sushi place one time where you ate something that crawled across the table like it was nothing. And there was nobody around. So <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> This is good. You had to watch my dad with him raw chicken, though. Shit, he would be chewing on them so bitches. And... Yeah. What, the hell, what can I tell you? What can I tell you? Crazy. I... I no salmonella. <laughs> I was I was listening uh, a couple of days ago, and they were and uh, on the Click This podcast. I heard Nash bring up a seafood Jimmy seafood down in down Baltimore. in uh, Baltimore. Yeah, and he was talking about oh, yeah. how he's a, a. I guess the guy must be good friends with all the boys. Because I remember yeah. you and Junior go down there all the time when you're in town. Oh, yeah. So. That's seafood. And, yeah. Uh, Jimmy's famous seafood. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he gets it shipped out to wherever Detroit or wherever he's from, but he gets it shipped out. But I know you guys, you run down there all the time and, and sit and eat. Oh, yeah. We'll run down there. What is it? Two and a half hours away just to go down and visit. Eat. Eat and then, and then go back out. So you're good friends with the guy as well. I guess he's just me. One of those yeah. guys that's friends with the boy. Well, I met him through my son, Lance. So, you know. That's oh. was over there with uh, Joe Roman Reigns, so they were over there together. So Lance was kind of close with them, doing a lot of his golf tournaments and things like that, the celebrity golf team. Uh, so Lance would go, Lakeisha would come in, you know, drinking, run around on golf carts, and, you know, and you'd go, and you'd go down stuff. and eat. Yeah. Do you go to yeah. w, Do you go to any events anymore? Do you ever show up? No, no, no not too much. Not too much. I mean, I know how it is to be out on the road, be busy and running around and, you know, just to try to take away from that psych that you got going, you know, it's, it's not. So fair. you don't want to go in the locker room and just be like, hey, here I am. Hello. Yeah, once in a while I do. I do want to, but I don't. I kind of hold myself back. I'd like yeah. to go in and thank a lot of people because yeah. I do got a lot of support and a lot of help when I got my liver transplant and uh, just, you know, like to just see a lot of guys face to face and thank them. And how about especially now uh, that you're currently under contract with them, so you can walk in there and say hello. And and especially because <laughs> the rumor is, and I guess it's not even a rumor. I guess it's a fact. And we'll end on this note because we're going to get into it. But Philadelphia will be hosting WrestleMania next yes. two years, and and yeah. and in those two years. Uh, there's a thing called the Hall of Fame that happens. So I know you got a lot of people looking for uh, the head shrinkers, Samu, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> hey, I saw the new dolls. I saw the new dolls. I hey, they're awesome, right? Right? Did you see that? I did. Hey, man, is, um... We're going to give a one or two away when they come out. That's the plan. We'd like to... Uh, We'd like to give them out to people. You know what I mean? We'll get, how many are they going to give you? They should send you a thousand and give a couple of them out to, you know, lucky fan of the week. Yeah, they should, but yeah, I'll probably get uh, four. So that was one of the questions we got from the fans is, do you attend WWE live events? And and you said, no, not as much. Have you had the opportunity to go though? Like, Sure. I mean, I get tickets and stuff. I call the office, get some tickets for my students and uh, let them, you know, when I had my school running up, uh, I'd get them tickets so they could just go in and just see what it's like, you know, to once you get there, you know, once you what all this sweat and blood and tears that you've been going through would pay off if you could hone in on it. So, 
it gives them something to make them hungry. This this segment that we're gonna end every show with is gonna be kind of fun because we're gonna do uh, ask a Samoan. So, <laughs> so so one of the questions uh, that had come in, they want to know is who were your three best friends while you were during your time with WWE? Wow, I had a lot of friends. Kyoto. Uh, Mike Kyoto was a good friend. Undertaker, I hang out with him. Kurt Henning. Cool guys. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> Who doesn't want a cool guy? Yeah. So that's so that's three. And then in a follow-up question, they said, Who didn't you want to hang out with? <laughs> they would ask that question, huh? Uh, the office, the stooges. <laughs> that's such and, a that that's a cheap answer. <laughs> <laughs> well you know i'm trying to think like i said we never we never worried about other people and if they were mad they were mad we don't know we just keep moving you know so uh never really had time to be mad at, at people but so nobody really bothered you no we rib hard so that's oh you're right yeah 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 a question came in and said you brought it up about the undertaker and it said that uh the undertaker in a lot of his interviews showed tons of respect for rodney yokozuna and the samoans throughout the throughout his time there so uh mm-hmm. he he did come i was had the fortunate pleasure of also being at that uh the first ever yokozuna memorial show so tell us about that they, they said what are your thoughts on the undertaker and his respect for the samoan family yes uh Undertaker and the Yoko was very close. Um, them started the BSK and all of the guys, you know, grouping up on that. I, I wasn't around them as much. I was busy running around doing my own thing, rock and roll, living the life, and whatever else comes with it. I was out there looking for it. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, hey, Taker and, and the Yoko very close, which brought us all close. You know, after the. After the shows, we'd all get together, go out shooting pool, drinking Jack Daniels, hundred shot, like three hundred shots on the bar. Because you get to, you finish the show, get back to your room, you shower. By that time, it's like eleven thirty. By the time you get to the bar, it's like twelve. You got about forty-five minutes till they're calling the last call. So you're like, give me a hundred, give me a hundred, give me a hundred. Gargling by the end of the time, you're gargling the shit. It's like, oh my god. But good time, good time. Do you ever uh, see Mark anymore, the Undertaker? You ever run into him? No, no, not really. Like I said, I don't put on a bother nobody. You know, just kind of do my own thing. Worry about my grandchildren, my family. You know. Which that's is it. that? That's the softer side, <laughs> and we're gonna get into all the softer side stuff and. Uh, for this week we're out of time but we're going to keep shooting and we're going to keep sending these out there and uh it's a good thing for you people get to finally hear what you have to say yeah yeah that's good i finally get to tell them how i feel too sometimes yeah <laughs> we'll see you next week all right bro be good see y'all later samoan swat team talks is a harv production <laughs> To stay up to date on all things SST, follow the show on Instagram at sst.talks and Facebook 
at Samoan SWAT Team Talks.